Taking a job as a summer lifeguard in university changed her life, and in turn, it led to a breakthrough. Carlin Lekarik was studying microelectronics in Canada for an engineering degree. It got her thinking, how could my skills save even more? When someone starts to drown, a lifeguard has only seconds to respond. Reach out and grab that person who went under. But the deeper the water, there's less light. And the only tool for a lifeguard? Goggles. But those glasses are good for only a few short feet. Carlin used her skill set to come up with a handheld sonar device she calls AquaEye. And it's a device first responders are putting to good use, saving the drowning when seconds count. You know, it was Jesus who reached out and saved a drowning Peter after walking on water. And it's only Christ who reaches out, pulls us free, saves us for eternity. So take his hand, come to faith, be saved. Welcome to Haven Today here on Wednesday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And all week we've been in John 17 thinking about the promise of Jesus. And David Woolen, our new president... That's what we're calling our series as well. That's right. And there are so many promises of God, but we're thinking about what Jesus promised his disciples just before he went to the cross. He prayed they might have courage, that the Father would protect them as he sent them out into the world. But just what does that mean for us today, 2,000 years later? And here's a question for everyone listening. How is Jesus calling you today to be in the world and not of the world? Well, we know somebody who faced those questions dead on after her accident that left her a quadriplegic, Johnny Erickson Tata. And when David and I were talking to her last week, she shared how she could not see how she could be of any use in this world, but the Lord had plans for her. Suffering is the textbook that'll teach you who you really are and it'll sandblast you to the core. It'll reveal the the true individual that you are. And I think that that is what helped me the most um, after my accident. I saw uh, how desperately, spiritually needy I really was and how I was not the paragon of virtue that I projected to my friends on Sunday morning. And that being a hypocrite is, is worse than hell. And I didn't want to live like that, Charles. And so I'm grateful that uh, even though it, it was very, very hard, impossibly hard at first, I would uh, wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, I cannot do this. I cannot do this level, this depth of suffering you have for me. But I, I'm i going to believe that I can do all things through you mm-hmm. as you strengthen me. Mm-hmm. So if I can't die then Jesus, please show me how to live. Mm -hmm. And uh, he certainly has these many, many years. Mm -hmm. So grateful. That's Johnny Erickson Tata sharing how the Lord gave her courage to stay in the world and to be a light for Christ. And Charles, in a moment, we're going to turn once again to John 17 and hear a similar theme, Jesus praying to the Father and speaking to us through Scripture about how to live in this very challenging world. And then after the program... David and I want to send you a very special new book Johnny has written called The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. 
Now, this book is going to be an encouragement. We know that because we've been reading it. It's encouraged us. That it has. And so, for your gift to the ministry, we'd love to send you the practice of the presence of Jesus. And after the program, would you come and visit our website and check that out? And while you're there, you can also watch a video of our time with Johnny. It's the full interview. And right there on the website, you can quickly make your gift to Haven Today and get your copy of Johnny's new book. That's our way of saying thank you for your vital help to keep this ministry, this program on the air every day. All that at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or call us. We'd love it if you did. 865-HAVEN. 865-HAVEN. And let's get this program started off on the right foot. We've got C.C. Winans with I've Got Joy. I've got joy in the struggle. I've got peace in the storm. I've got strength in the battle. I don't fear anymore. I'm a child of heaven and my hope is secure. I've got joy cause I've got Jesus He gave me beauty for ashes Turned my life around He broke my chains and now I dance on solid ground For all He's done to save me I will raise my voice I've got Jesus So I've got joy 
This is Haven Today. I'm David Wool, and with me is Charles Morris. And that was I've Got Joy by C.C. Winans. And we're about to continue in our study of John chapter 17. And Charles, I know that theme of joy has been showing up in the last few programs that we've been recording together, and it's certainly there in the passage today. Well, it, it is what we're going to look at today, David. We learn from God's Word, like in John 17, but we also apply John 17, and all of Scripture to our lives. This, of course, as we've said, is the longest prayer of our Savior recorded in all of Scripture. And I want us to pick up at three verses halfway through this prayer in John 17. Before we look closer, let me read verses 13 to 15. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. These last days that we've spent with Johnny, Erickson, Tata, we've talked about having joy, especially when, humanly speaking, You may have no earthly reason it would seem to be filled with joy. A little different way to translate verse 13 of John 17 would be as Jesus prays to his Father in heaven, but now I am coming to you. And I am saying these things in the world so that they may be filled to overwhelming with my special joy. So, Jesus prayed not just that his children have joy, but they would be overwhelmed with joy. But it's not just any kind of joy. It's a special kind of joy. My special joy. You could translate that. He prayed this halfway through the high priestly prayer to his Father in heaven before heading to the cross. We need this joy, no matter our circumstances. Christians can be too serious in our faith, even though faith is serious. Jesus frequented parties. He spoke of the great banquet to come. So why can't we just relax a little sometimes and be overwhelmed with his joy even now? We don't need to be stick in the muds. It can be fun to be shared with others this faith we have, this joy he gives. Christians are not called with his joy to be dour. Or as one Southern pastor I once heard put it, to experience pity parties. That's not how we live. And we do this even as the prayer continues and we are reminded we live in a world filled with hate. Verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because their lives are not rooted in the world, just as my life is not rooted in the world. No sooner did Jesus pray for us to have his joy than he prayed against the hate his disciples would experience in this world. He wants to give us the whole counsel of God. That counsel promises great joy, but also envisions great suffering from the world and in the world, and it's two realities, and he prays this with full disclosure. Jesus taught the world hates his word and hates his church. We find this daily in the news we take in, but also in our personal lives. It's a mystery, and the source of this hatred shows up as he prays what we find recorded in verse 15. 
I am not asking that you take them out of the world, but I am asking that you please keep them from the evil one. Yes, there is a person out there who brings on the hate and leads this world to hate. Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer earlier in his ministry to pray, Thy will be done, which means in this high priestly prayer, your will, God's will, not the devil's will, be done. Here is our Lord praying for our protection from the one, this evil force at work that seeks to destroy and bring us and its church to an end. And of course, that's not going to happen if you trust his word and abide in him. We need and we have his protection from the devil. And our Savior, who prays this prayer for us even now, has a perfect record of answered prayers. So listen up. Listen to me tell you right now, if you're in Christ, you are safe. But you're also warned. There are dangers in this world, in this life. But Christ is here and with us through his Holy Spirit. God's will on earth as it is in heaven. We settle for too little in this world. Our prayers can easily become tiny, individual, too narrow, even super spiritual petitions. But this prayer and the earlier Lord's Prayer lead us to a bigger than our own little lives world of praying. And this is why every day, We must join with Christians who pray like Jesus taught us to pray and have done so through the centuries. We pray, deliver. Please keep us from the evil one. Our lives and our prayers are rooted in him and not of this world. His kingdom is coming. And if we are born again in him, as I pray you are, his kingdom has already come to you. David? Well, Charles, the kingdom has come. Jesus said so. And yet here we are as Christians still living in this fallen world. So really, we're between two worlds. Charles, it's so funny uh, when you're reading the word, how things pop out to you, especially when you're really studying and digging in deep. And this week, just tackling John 17 together, I've seen the words of Jesus There's these repeated phrases and words highly concentrated in this prayer. In the first day, we saw the word glory repeated. Yesterday, it was the word gave or given. And I noticed it again in the verses that you were reading and that I'm about to read. There's a phrase that has several variations on it, but it's all about relationship to the world. Christ's relationship with it and ours as well. So let me read the remaining part of this text. And remember, this is Jesus praying to the Father about his remaining disciples. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. There's a children's book that I've read to all my kids when they were little. I think it was called something like Inside, Outside, Upside Down. It was about a little bear getting into a box, and you see now he's in, and the box turns upside down, and so the bear is upside down, and then it goes on the truck and falls off the truck and so on and so forth. But the point is helping kids to understand these little prepositions, inside, outside, upside down. 
Well, Jesus is also teaching us some very important spiritual prepositions that we really need to live for Christ in this fallen world. And there's three of these phrases. The first is this. The disciples of Jesus were called out of the world. That's the first phrase, out of the world. Jesus said so in verse 6, praying to the Father, he said, I have revealed you to those you gave me out of the world. Too often as a Christian, I know I forget where I've come from, what I've come out of. We're all prone to forget the chains that once held us captive before Jesus called us and through the cross brought us out of the world. Like Paul writes in Ephesians, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And so I'll say it again, Christ called us out of the world. And that leads us to the second phrase, which is related. Verse 16, Jesus says his disciples are not of the world not of the world, no longer of the world. That's an identity shift. It's true, even though we often fail to live it out. And so we need to rehearse the gospel daily because we forget that we are not of the world. Charles, your friend James Montgomery Boyce wrote about how the world has its own wisdom, its own theology, its own agenda, its own methodology for getting things done, and all of these run largely counter to the way of the kingdom. As Christians, we're prone to attempt kingdom tasks in worldly ways. When we do, we fall and fail. Kingdom tasks require the power of Christ. There's no other way. And that's unnatural for us in the flesh, which is why we need to be transformed more and more into the image of the Son. And that's basically what we typically mean when we use words like sanctification or sanctify becoming more like Jesus, growing in holiness. And certainly that's a correct, biblical, defensible understanding. But the word sanctify has a range of meaning in the Bible and can be used in another way. This passage is one of those instances. So right at the end, Jesus says this. He says he sanctifies himself. Okay, hold on. Can Christ become more holy? Well, clearly no. He is holy, full stop. So what does Jesus mean when he prays, sanctify them by the truth, and then two verses later, for them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Well, the literal meaning of sanctify is set apart. And in this case, Jesus is setting himself apart for his atoning work on the cross. And it's only because of what he's about to do that the disciples can be set apart for the work the Lord Jesus has for them. And what is that work for which the disciples are set apart? We find out in the last of those prepositional phrases, it's into the world, and more specifically, sent into the world. This is the mission of the church, an extension of the mission of Christ, a sneak peek here in John 17 of the Great Commission. And so today, we who are in Christ, you who are in Christ, a modern-day disciple, are also called out of the world. You are not of the world, and Christ has sent you into the world. Your glorious cause, O oh God, engages our hearts. May Jesus Christ be not for
Well, do you belong to Jesus? He's called you out of the world. And if so, you are not of this world any longer, and he's sending you into the world. So let Jesus Christ be known wherever you are, that everyone might know his name. That was Sovereign Grace and a song that has become a bit of an anthem for missions, not just global missions, but local as well. Let your kingdom come. This is Haven Today, and I'm David Wolin here with my friend and Haven's host emeritus, Charles Morris. Any final thoughts, Charles? Well, I'm still pondering the joy of Christ. It showed up in the passage we looked at today in John 17. We talked about it last week as well. How astonishing is it that joy emerges out of the challenges and trials we face? Not despite them, but because of them. All because Christ is with us, and he wants the full measure of his joy to be in us. And I think that's what Johnny Erickson Tata was getting at in that part of an interview that we heard earlier. Her suffering was so bad, she wanted to die. But then she surrendered to Christ, saying, if I can't die, then Jesus, please show me how to live. Wow, I needed to hear her say that. Yeah, me too. And the Lord answered that prayer, didn't he? Mm-hmm. It, uh, he answered it to a degree that's left a mark on this world, his mark through his servant, Johnny. And the new book by Johnny Erickson Tata is a resource that we're offering for Haven listeners today. The book is The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. What's the book like? Well, it's 110 readings. It's a great book to put on your nightstand or your breakfast table. It's Johnny's dialogue with God's Word, helping us live out what Jesus is offering to all believers in Jesus at all times, His presence. His presence really is something that we all need and we all need more of today. How do we get His presence? How do we get this relationship? How are we filled with this joy? Well, we offer many things from time to time here on Haven Today. But I think this new book by Johnny Erickson Tata, Practice the Presence of Jesus, will help lead you more into his presence and help you to be more filled with that joy. It's been doing that to me, and I think it can do that to you as well. So... Would you please support us, but we want to support you in your growing in faith. You just need to go to our website right now, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Watch the video, the interview with Johnny. See what we've been talking about as we played excerpts of our interview with her these last several days. You can also make your gift and ask for this new book by Johnny by calling us at 865-HAVEN, 865-HAVEN. Well, the time is over. I'm Charles Morris. And I'm David Wallen. Thanks for coming and meeting up with us. Why don't you do the same thing again tomorrow? When again, together, we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus, here on HAVEN Today. For your walk with Jesus, I'm David Wolin with Haven Today, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Are you driving right now? There's a decent chance you've got kids in the back seat, and if your vehicle is anything like mine, your kids are keeping you on your toes. There's only so much you can do from the front seat as a parent, unless you pull over. 
But even in those tough moments of parenting, our behavior is consequential. It matters to the Lord. Ephesians 6.4 puts it like this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And we're going to fall short of that standard sometimes, but with the Lord's help, we can point them to Jesus. After all, he's a friend to sinners, people like you and me. Get daily encouragement with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.